Yes, welcome to Rod Gilbert's Bulging Barrel of Laughs, the show that's as much fun as hearing a one-man band being attacked by a swan, falling downstairs, landing on his accordion, and then being told by Simon Cowell, you know, this is what this show is all about. Last <laughs> three yeses, you're through to the next round. Tonight's show is packed so hard it's at breaking point, like the strap on Jimmy Hill's bicycle helmet. Tonight, as usual, we'll be reaching into my bulging barrel of laughs and pulling out stuff to do. Stuff like Rod's Rant Club, where you get the chance to shout and scream and let off steam like Lulu ironing on a ghost train. (laughs) Stuff like Rod's Chin Stroker, where I bring a fascinating topic to the table, a subject that will provoke more discussion than the time Ronnie Corbett appeared on Celebrity Mastermind and chose Top Shelf magazines as his specialist subject. And we'll have confessions where we reveal our deepest, darkest secrets. Yes, we'll be as red-faced as Spider-Man the day he was flying through the air when his outfit split, revealing his very human bottom to the whole of New York City. (laughs) We'll have comedy from Milton Jones. And another stage of woman from Sarah Millican. All that and live music from Goldheart Assembly and possibly more besides. And with my barrel visibly about to blow, let's avoid disaster and get on with the show. Time now to welcome my regular guests. My first guest appears solo on stage as a stand-up, as an actor in The Inbetweeners, as part of the sketch troupe We Are Clang, and is a regular on TV panel shows. And if you spread yourself that thinly, it stands to reason the quality suffers. It's Greg Davis. And my second guest is Wales' answer to the question, Hey, Wales, have you got anyone who's sharp as a button but sounds thick as pig's mince? <laughs> it's my flatmate, Lloyd Langford. <laughs> hello, Lloyd. Hello, Rob. Hello, Greg. Yes, hello, Rob. With my regular guests met, in a few minutes I'll unveil my bulging barrel of laughs. But before I do, playing for us live in the studio, ladies and gentlemen, please give it up for Goldheart Assembly and King of Rome. This is John, by the way. Hello. All right. Yeah. This is, uh, let me get you right. John, Jim, yep. Tom, Nicky at the back on drums, and uh, Jake. Oh, yeah. he's good, isn't he? Hello. Well done, Rod. Look at that. Well, a round of applause from John. Is that, am I the first person who's actually remembered all your band's names? No, you, well done, you... Rain Man. <laughs> oh, you... Right, there's the bar, is it? That's OK, is it? <laughs> Listen, we'll be hearing more from the, the boys a little bit later in the show. It's time to, it is time to welcome my bulging barrel of laughs. <laughs> there it is. Lloyd Langford's got the barrel. In it, we have put all sorts of fun and games, and during the course of the show, I will call upon Lloyd to reach as far into my barrel as he physically can and tell us what's next. So without further ado, Lloyd, get your rubber gloves on, dip into my barrel, and tell us what's coming up. (laughs) Well, Rod, you'll be happy to know it's confessions! Yay! Yes, it's confessions. Have you had an accident at work? Because someone on telly put the idea in your head that you could make a quick seven grand if you just slipped and shattered your pelvis. (laughs) Are you Russell Crowe's anger management counsellor? Are you Lembitopic? Confessions is for you. (laughs) It's the part of the show where we hear a stranger's most embarrassing secrets without having to hold a glass to their wall or break into their doctor's surgery and go through their medical records. Tonight, the cause of our blushes is peer pressure. Yes, we've all done it. Someone else puts their head in an oven and blows themselves up, so you do the same. We want to know what embarrassing things you've done as a result of peer pressure. 
We put this on the BBC Comedy Facebook website earlier in the week, and this, uh, these are some of the answers we received. This one, I have to say, I was in two minds whether to read this one out, because it, it's sort of... Well, I'll read it to you and let you, let you be the judge. It's a sort of one of those ones where you feel so, social services might need to get involved. <laughs> Tracy. I've kept the name the same, just in case social services want to get involved. <laughs> Tracy Davis. <laughs> 14 Glanant. <laughs> I, j- I just had a baby. This is Tracy, by the way, not me. I'm not, uh... <laughs> I just had a baby and dared my husband to stick the wobbly toy that was meant to be for the cot onto his forehead. <laughs> he did, but then he couldn't get it off. Eventually it came off, leaving a red welt the size of a 50 pence piece, which then turned black after a couple of days. Don't worry, though, it's okay. She survived us bringing her up. Now, <laughs> see, <laughs> just by a cheer, how many of you from reading that think that the husband stuck the toy onto the baby's head and it... <laughs> That's what I thought. How many of you thought that it's the husband's head? I think you've probably just read out a serious case of abuse. <laughs> <laughs> I like that you couldn't contain your laughter after that. <laughs> no, it's, de- it's definitely the husband's head, because at the end, the woman says, don't worry, though, it's OK, she survived us bringing her up, unless sticking the thing on the head changed the sex of the baby. <laughs> I- I'm not aware that you can get sex-changing probes. <laughs> but you'd know. <laughs> God knows I've looked. <laughs> <laughs> Laura says, I threw up on my dad's bald head in the car after he picked me and my friends up from a club. (laughs) You're right, so far, nothing out of the ordinary. (laughs) She ends it with, fab night though, totally worth it. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder whether when she threw up on his head, she said, because you're worth it. I I just... (laughs) Actually, like, (laughs) throwing up on a bald person's head isn't as big a crime as throwing up on a person's head that's got hair on it. You just wipe it off a bald head. <laughs> what are you, mate? Surely I'm you can right, just... Do, I'm right, don't I? Yeah. Yeah, but but don't agree with him. Surely you can, just, you can just wash it out of someone's hair. And you delivered it as if you've created the law on this subject. <laughs> Judge Lloyd and his baldy pukehead law. You can just wash it out. Or you can just shampoo it out of somebody's hair. Yeah, well, you don't, that's what I'm saying. You don't have to go to the trouble of shampoo. You well, just, you probably you know, would give your head a wash after, wouldn't you? You wouldn't what? just wipe the sick off your bald head and look in the mirror and go, there we go, eyebrows next. Let's have a look. Yeah, nice. <laughs> John says, on a trip to the Big Smoke, my friends decided we should all moon from the bus as it went through central London. As we approached Parliament Square, about 15 of us had our bare bottoms to the window for about 30 seconds, waggling them round and shouting and egging each other on, until we realised that the bus had stopped, directly in front of a protest over China's occupation of Tibet. (laughs) I think, uh, with those, aren't they normally sort of meditating? They've probably got their eyes closed, those people. You wouldn't have your eyes closed doing a protest. Yeah, some of those were... that, like, stop the war march in London for a million people all walking around with their eyes shut? <laughs> Have you got any, uh, any embarrassing confessions, Lloyd, to do with peer pressure? When I was younger, I was staying around my mate's house. We didn't have anything to do, and we were a bit too young to be drinking. And so he wanted me to use his chemistry set um, to create an explosion, because I was in the top set for science. 
Uh, oh, oh, here we go. Yeah, that's what this story's all been about. Yeah. <laughs> Just gives you a chance to say, I was in the top set for science. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's what I'm doing, beefing up my CV. <laughs> Stop showing off. Carry on. Uh, I didn't really want to create an explosion because I thought it was dangerous. And uh, we... we I re- said you are. I can see why you're in the top set. <laughs> We, we were in his mum's kitchen as well. Um, I knew that magnesium burnt with a very bright light. I thought, this, I thought this would impress him. And he had a big, massive chunk of magnesium. I thought, I'll break a little bit off and set it on fire. Uh, at which point, he grabbed it out of my hand and set the whole ball on fire. Um, I'm not really sure what happened next, because my <laughs> retina's temporarily detached. <laughs> um, when I could see again, uh, there was a hole roughly smaller than a frying pan in his mother's marble worktop. <laughs> Which was handy that it was roughly smaller, because I put the frying pan on top of it. <laughs> <laughs> Mine was uh, that everybody was showing off and bragging and things on a, a French exchange trip, and... Uh, I sort of panicked and told everybody, told the French kids that I was uh, the lead singer of a band. I was 13 at the time. (laughs) And I hadn't sort of banked on the fact that they would ask me which band it was. So I said, Genesis. (laughs) (laughs) At which point, a 12-year-old French girl said, so you are Phil Collins? (laughs) I said, yes. This is quite a nice one. It says, I will never drink another, and then inverted commas, special birthday cocktail. (laughs) My hazy recollection of the events following involved being thrown in a harbour in Orkney in winter, having all my clothes stolen, and waking up on the floor of a pub 20 miles away being licked by a basset hound. (laughs) (laughs) And then, possibly the most redundant use of this phrase... I've ever seen in my life. I'll read this again, and then you'll spot the redundant phrase on the end. I will never drink another special birthday cocktail. My hazy recollection of the events following involved being thrown in a harbour in Orkney in winter, having all my clothes stolen, and waking up on the floor of a pub 20 miles away being licked by a basset hound. Never again. (laughs) (laughs) Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's normally about this time that we crown the loser of the week. Who's it going to be? You, Rod. Or should I say, Phil Collins? <laughs> <laughs> so, let's go back to the barrel of laughs. Lloyd, would you kindly dangle a hand into my barrel and tell us what's next? <laughs> yes, Rod, I've just pulled out of the barrel your new round, Rod's Chin Stroker. Yay! Yeah! It's Rod's chin stroker. Can pigs fly? Could hell freeze over? Could somebody take Jeremy Kyle to a vet and have him put down, please? <laughs> in Rod's chin stroker, we debate the big issues until we're blue in the face. We won't just talk the hind legs off the donkey. We'll keep going till the front legs come off as well. <laughs> Today's donkey immobilising topic is... <laughs> if animals could write, could they reach a grade B at GCSE Maths? <laughs> It's just for debate, that's all. I just think it's an interesting 
theory. Oh, it doesn't have to be a grade B. I put grade B in for a bit of detail. It could be a grade C. It could even be an old GCSE in the, right. in the 80s. I'm ambivalent until I've heard more information. Well, I'll give you more information. I, animals use counting a lot. That is, uh, you know, it's an uncontested fact. Animals. Of course, everyone knows that, that animals can count. <laughs> Animals use counting a lot in the wild, and I can prove it to you, and I've got lots and lots of examples. All I'm saying is, is there mathematical ability and knowledge up to a certain level that we would recognise as an academic qualification? <laughs> Cats can count. Cats Dogs can count. can count. Horses can count. Uh, monkeys, everybody knows, can count. Elephants can count. Yeah. Lemmings can count. Everything. Cats, cats know exactly how wide they are and how wide a cat flap is. They use maths. They subtract the two to see if they can get through a cat flap. <laughs> I'm not saying I believe this, I'm just throwing it up for no, debate. Yeah, no, I know. A, yeah. a, a cat is bound to know that it can get through a cat flap. Exactly, thank you, Lloyd. By, it, by subtracting its own No, no, because width. it's called a cat flap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, ne- you never see a cat trying to get through a keel. <laughs> and why not? Because they do the maths. <laughs> they don't think, hang on, what's that called? A keyhole? Just because it hasn't got cat in the title doesn't mean they're not going to use it. <laughs> I saw a cat eating dog food once. He didn't look at the pack and think, sod that. If <laughs> <laughs> so they look at a keyhole, that's precisely it. You'll never get a cat looking no, through it, a keyhole it, because it, they know they're too wide. It, it, they it uses its whiskers. Yeah. Oh, it sticks its whiskers up into the keyhole, does it? No, for the cat flap. But that, ha, you're, suge- you're suggesting that a cat works out how wide a yes, cat flap is. exactly that. Mentally, by yes. saying, well, I, I reckon that's probably, yeah. that's probably eight inches wide. I'm going to go for it. Yes. <laughs> if... If it was whiskers, then yeah. the whiskers is a backup, I admit, to the initial calculation. Oh, is it? Belt and braces, is it, whiskers? Plan, you know, exactly. plan B. Do you know if you're going through a driving... I was driving through one the other day. My car's quite wide, and then I was driving through a really Would narrow bollard. No, near South Ealing, off the A4, there's a really narrow bollard to get through, and I, I knew... Constructed my... a massive pair of whiskers. <laughs> This is, this is another experiment, you might have heard of this one, is lions count, and which you know what happens if you have a pride of lions and round a corner or something, you put um, a loudspeaker and okay. you play a load of lions roaring at them. Do you know what happens? The lions decide whether to attack or not by how many roars they hear on the loudspeaker. So they listen on the loudspeaker and they'll add up, they'll count the number of roars they hear and then they will attack if they've got more of them than there are on the loudspeaker or they won't attack if they're outnumbered. It sounds, a, absolutely it sounds a bit more credible, but do, you're saying that they do a sort of raw register of their own pride first, eh? Yeah, they'll count how many we, how many we got here. So, so they'll go rawr, and then all the other people go rawr, rawr. That's exactly... Rawr, rawr, rawr. That's, exa- that's exactly what they did. They'll hear rawr, 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 rawr. Yeah. Oh, seven, we're not going to attack. No! They're even cleverer than that, because that, they, on the loudspeaker, they didn't even put them one after another, the roars, because that could have been the same lion roaring over and over again. <laughs> they put them all at once in, like a big... Rah! And the lions can actually, can actually listen very carefully and pick out how many different roars they can hear. Can we so... just hear your impression of seven lions again? <laughs> no. If I was, like, say I was in the Serengeti and uh, two lions were approaching me... And I Sounds got like re- a good spin-off show, by the way. <laughs> Two lions report to me. I'm in the Serengeti. Yeah. I'll go, I know what I'll do. Rawr! 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 <laughs> and then go, oh, there's three lions. We, be- we better back down. <laughs> no, that wouldn't work. That, would, wouldn't, it would, that it, wouldn't work because on the loudspeaker, they pump through genuine, light, recorded lion roars. 
Not you, somebody who can only just approximate a human that, being's voice. That, that, uh, that second lion sounds really weak as well. <laughs> yeah. I think they'd write him off. <laughs> Rah, oh, he's, oh, no, that's one. Rah, no, forget him. Rah, two. Yeah, he, he was bluffing to try and draw them in. Ah. What do you mean, he? It was you. No. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'd be savaged. What, the lion in your head was bluffing. <laughs> Have you anyway. got an imaginary lion friend in your head? <laughs> He's not imaginary, his name's Jeff. <laughs> there should be a sort of audience um, ending to it, so maybe they could all do a lion impression and we'll move on. Yeah, if you can get them to do it. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> 343. Ladies and gentlemen, we've got some stand-up comedy now. Are you up for that? Yeah. In that case, would you please raise the roof and welcome to the stage Mr Milton Jones! So, good evening. <laughs> I was sitting in traffic the other day and I got run over. What else can I tell you about myself? I own a small zoo and a pirate ship, although not at the same time. I haven't got that much Lego. (laughs) I mean, we think of pirates as being all smiley. Turns out they're actually all Somali. If you're addicted to maths, you're either an alcoholic or a South African with a real love of numbers. (laughs) I've just come back from America. On the flight across, my wife was going, Why don't you get an upgrade? Why don't you get an upgrade? Took a bit of time, but in the end I got a better wife. I found my dad the other day. He said, you left the room before I finished speaking. I wanted you to go to Holland and Barrett and get me some tablets. Where are you now? I said, Holland. (laughs) I always left the room before my dad finished speaking. I remember once he said, why don't you go outside and jump up and down on the trampoline? Except I didn't hear the Aline. Don't talk to me about unemployment. I come from a tiny fishing village in Derbyshire. (laughs) I was talking to a nurse the other day. She said the main problem facing the NHS is Holby City. (laughs) Actually, she might have said obesity. Well, she was eating a cake at the time. (laughs) I think if I'd unlimited money, I'd hire two private investigators and get them to follow each other. (laughs) 
My grandfather, uh, he can't do what he used to, bless him, you know, bomb the Japanese. (laughs) (laughs) My other grandfather, he would never, ever throw anything away, uh, but he died in the war holding on to a hand grenade. (laughs) My other grandfather... Got a metal plaque on his forehead dedicated to a park bench that died. (laughs) My other grandfather. (laughs) His last words to me were, You selfish boy. Not long after that, I became a fishmonger. Recently, I've written a book uh, called All the Things I've Ever Done in My Entire Life, and I don't want to spoil it, uh, but in the end, I write a book. (laughs) You see, my friends, if I had a crystal ball, I'd sit down very carefully. Well, it's great to have been here. Some of us have been able to share our joy by laughing out loud, uh, others by staring. <laughs> I'd like to finish with a prayer, the prayer Jesus taught us. Hang on a minute, some people are thinking, Jesus had a tortoise? <laughs> <laughs> I went home for Christmas this year, couldn't get in the door. Uh, too many granddads. <laughs> That's all from me. Thank you very much. Good night. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Mr. Milton Jones. Without further ado, let's go back to the barrel. Lloyd, do a backward flip into my bulging barrel. Tell us what's next. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, Rod, it's Greg's Indecent Proposals. Yay! Yes, it's Greg's Indecent Proposals. What have you got for us today, Greg? Indecent Proposal number one. A lifetime supply of chocolate. If, once a month, <laughs> you walk on <laughs> mid-performance to the set of Les Miserables, dressed as a character from The Lion King... <laughs> And shout, oh no, not again. What is wrong with me? <laughs> I think that would really depend on what stage of Les Miserables, as you so beautifully put it, uh, they were at. Because um, there's very different, very different points in the. I in don't the, know the, the music piece. well, but it would be a large choral number. Okay, because it's very different. I wouldn't walk in, in that bit where uh, Jean-Paul Jean is singing Bring Him Home or whatever. I wouldn't do it doing that. That'd be... No, that would be disrespectful. That would be awful. <laughs> do you know that but, Les but... Miserables? It's Les, Mi- Les Miserables, if you... I mean, you probably didn't recognise it from what Greg said. <laughs> isn't, it, isn't it about a lot of um, French students building a wall? Well, I think there's more to it politically than that. <laughs> it's like a French grown force. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what it's like, but it's a very moving ground force. I'd... What was it? Lifetime supply of chocolate? Yeah. Lifetime supply of chocolate. I mean, I can quite easily buy a lifetime supply of chocolate. In fact, I probably will. (laughs) 
I will probably supply my own chocolate during the course of my own lifetime. <laughs> See, what happens. Happens. <laughs> See what happens when someone gets their own Radio 2 show? <laughs> Arrogant. Arrogant. <laughs> Suddenly he's Willy Wonka. <laughs> well, it certainly got me there, Augustus Gloop. <laughs> And when you said Wonka, I think you were one letter out. <laughs> <laughs> he, does, he does wink a lot, to be fair. <laughs> and that was my indecent proposals! <laughs> Let's go back to the barrel. Lloyd, don't be a stranger to my barrel. Get stuck in and tell us what's next. <laughs> Next up, Rod. <laughs> it's a setup. Hooray! Yes, it's a setup. A very simple game against the clock. I will provide a punchline, and Lloyd and Greg have to provide the setup to the joke. For example, if the punchline is to get to the other side, the setup could be the hilarious golden oldie, Why Did the Chicken Cross the Road? <laughs> Greg and Lloyd, you have to provide as many setups to as many punchlines as you can, and your time starts. Now, your first punchline is finding half a maggot. What is the midway point in the find a whole maggot contest? <laughs> <laughs> what is the name of Greg's first porn film? <laughs> cheap, cheap Lloyd below the belt, Greg. Finding half a maggot. What does the acronym FAHEM stand for? <laughs> Punchline number two, great big holes in the skirting board. What happened when I got Abu Hamza around to do some carpentry? <laughs> What's a clear indication that what you thought was a mouse is in fact a tiger? <laughs> great big holes in the skirting board. What do you get if you feed your hoover Stella Artois? <laughs> what does the acronym Gabahitisabub <laughs> stand for? How do you know if Tom Cruise has been living in your cavity walls? A pig with a machine gun is your next punchline. A pig with a machine gun. Who would have done a better job than Arnold Schwarzenegger in almost all of his films? <laughs> what don't you want to see in the meat aisle of your local supermarket? <laughs> How should you never address an armed policeman? Uh, what is the acronym? A Puigar. <laughs> and that noise tells me that's the end of its setup. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it's that time in the show when we take down the testosterone levels. Please welcome to the stage Sarah Millican with another stage of woman. It's nice to be here. I mean, obviously, every time I come out on stage, they all disappear, so it feels a bit like being at home. <laughs> I live on my own. I don't know if you've noticed, but there aren't many women on this show, so I'm here to sort of redress the gender balance, if you like. Think of me as the Lorraine on News 24, or the Grazia amongst the What Car and Boobs Monthly, <laughs> or the Vinaigrette amongst the Marmite and Chilli Sauce. The Jilly Cooper amongst the A to Zs. <laughs> There's a man with a big fan of A to Zs over there. Well done, fella. <laughs> this is number four in the six ages of women. The fourth age of woman 
is chopsy, which is the black country term men use when their women answer back. It's the age where women return goods because they don't like them rather than making up stories about the birthday and presents I got two the same. <laughs> We've got some in, haven't we? I can tell. <laughs> Do you remember that song released in 1976 by American singer Charlene that had the lyrics, I've been to paradise, but I've never been to me? Well, women in the Chopsy period have both been to paradise, Malaga with Terry in 2002, <laughs> and to me, themselves. Incidentally, there's a line in the song that says, I've been undressed by kings and I've seen some things that a woman ain't supposed to see. <laughs> like what? Top gear. <laughs> in this age, women speak their mind and know themselves completely. I was once stopped in the street by a woman canvassing for the NSPCC and I said, I'm so sorry, but I really hate kids. (laughs) (laughs) To which she responded, some of them are nice. (laughs) I think this is a time when men and women sort of level out. Put it this way, these days women are putting up shelves and men are crying. I mean, men are crying at the state of the bloody shelves. (laughs) I like to think of myself as a feminist, but if I am a feminist, then I'm a rubbish one. I was recently working with the same male comedian for three nights in a row, and on the third night he said, I don't think I've ever noticed before, but you've got quite a decent rack. (laughs) And I went, how dare you? He thanks very much. (laughs) It's all very well being a feminist, but it's nice to know you've got good knockers. About confidence, isn't it? Though I was on holiday in Spain last year and we're staying in a nice hotel with a lovely pool. I wanted to go in the pool, of course I did, but I saw that all of the women who were walking in the pool were all like tiny and wafer thin, and I thought I'm not going to walk in with one of them. If I walk in with one of them, people are going to think I've bloody eaten one, <laughs> and I wouldn't anyway because there's no meat on them. <laughs> So what I did is walked in with the children, because kids these days are all proper little porkers, aren't they? (laughs) If I walk in the same time as a nine-year-old boy who's got bigger boobs than me, nobody's looking at me anymore. (laughs) But you have to want to lose weight, don't you? You know, some people go on a diet and then they throw out all of their fat clothes. I'm never going to be like that again. Well, I recently chucked out all of me thin clothes. I'm never going to be like that again. (laughs) I met an overweight lady the other day who said her husband had decided to incentivise her diet by giving her money. She told me that she spends it in Greg's. <laughs> it's about doing what you want in the bedroom as well. I once went out with a bloke who asked me a series of questions before we first had sex. To do this, to do that, and I just went, yeah, 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 no. <laughs> Depends on me mood. <laughs> Not with a crunchy. <laughs> in the front. Tiny, how old are you? 16. 16. And how old is your good lady? 16. 16, that's good, isn't it? Because that could have been uncomfortable. (laughs) (laughs) Nice lady, would you die for him? (laughs) They're in a relationship, it's a perfectly valid question, would you? You'd have to have good reason to. You'd have to have good reason to. (laughs) 
think it's quite a reasonable thing to say, no, it's ridiculous. Of course I wouldn't die for somebody. Like, I love my boyfriend. I've been with him for four years, and I love him more than anything. But I wouldn't die for him. We're equal. I mean, I'd take a bullet for him, but only if it was in the leg. (laughs) (laughs) Brian Adams didn't sing about that, did he? (laughs) I'd be temporarily disabled for you. (laughs) The chopsy age for women is when you realise this. No matter what happens, you can get out of it. Be it a bad relationship, a job you hate, a shop you're too fat for. (laughs) And to you I say this, don't look for the light at the end of the tunnel, stomp along there and turn the bloody thing on yourself. Let's go back to the barrel. Lloyd, stick your lady's limb into my barrel and tell us what's next. <laughs> You'll be happy to know next up is Rod's Rant Club. Yay! And the first rule of Rant Club? Oh, this never works. <laughs> Don't talk about Rant Club. In these most testing of times, everyone's as stressed out as Ant when he's waiting for Deck to get up. <laughs> Rant Club is Britain's first purpose-built centre of complaining excellence. A place where we can indulge the tedious whinging and moaning that makes this country great. The best place for like-minded individuals to air their grievances since the visitor's book in A Little Chef. Tonight, the frequent and unnecessary interruption to our evening is... Advertising. Yes, it's advertising, ladies and gentlemen, the subject of our rants tonight... We put this subject out on the, uh, the BBC comedy website and we've got some that came in from the week. Uh, Sonia says the advert where four or five... I haven't seen this one. The advert where four or five women meet up for lunch and the ugly one with red hair's opening gambit is to tell her lunch buddies that she's miserable because she's just done a poo and it was brick hard. <laughs> I'm assuming that's not necessarily the language that she uses, is it? That's a verbatim quote. (laughs) Amazingly, one of her mates just happens to have a box of Dulcolax in her bag. Seriously, men already think women talk inane crap when we meet for lunch. There's no need to advertise it. Uh, Yeah, that's like a really weird advert because they're trying to emulate the women from Sex and the City. Right. But then they just talk about stiff shits. When I first saw it, I thought it was a really, really excellent episode of Loose Women. (laughs) (laughs) This is a nice one from somebody who clearly finds it a little bit difficult to suspend disbelief. That one for cereal where they're working in a supermarket and blatantly steal it and go to a storeroom and sit round a wooden box eating their stolen cereal with stolen milk. (laughs) These staff should be sacked instantly. (laughs) She she must have a nightmare watching films. There's a massive meteorite heading towards the Earth. Guess what the most irritating one we had in, the most uh, number of complaints we had about. Give us a shout. I wish he'd go compare cliff sizes and then jump off the biggest one. (laughs) That 
was, uh, that was from Gemma. That came in on the internet. And then somebody in our studio audience tonight has said he needs to go compare which tastes better, sulfuric acid or hydrochloric. <laughs> A lady down the front there, have you, is this one that irritates you? We've got a lot on this, mostly from women, it has to be said. In fact, entirely from women. Uh, this one's from Jane. It says, have a happy period? No, I will not. <laughs> <laughs> and I won't be doing any fashion shoots, rollerblading or wearing white trousers, thank you very much. <laughs> she says, thank you very much. And then, in case we haven't got the point, sod off on the end. <laughs> I think we all know when she sent that one in. <laughs> We've got some from our studio audience as well, but before we do, Greg or Lloyd, have you got any uh, bugbears about marketing, advertising? I've, I've got a bit of a weird obsession, actually, because I can only buy shirts in one shop, Debenhams. Um, there's a man who does Debenhams Radio, and not just in London, right across the whole of the United Kingdom. And as soon as I step into the shop, I cannot tune out of his voice, because he's always saying... So, and I'm making this up as I'm going along, but it's something like this. Hey, welcome to Debenhams Radio. Fancy some new trousers today? Why not go down to the trouser department, where you'll find plenty of trousers? There's one thing we've got lots of here at Debenhams. It's lovely trousers down in the trouser department. Come on! You can afford more than one pair of trousers. Why not buy two pairs of trousers in our... Two pairs of trousers for the price of one promotion down in the trouser department. There's never even anything I can't predict. I wouldn't mind if he went, Welcome to Debenhams Radio. Go down to the trouser department. If you lift up the green cords in the corner, you'll find a bag of pork chops for a fiver. for a new pair of shoes. Why not pop down to our shoe department? <laughs> I think we got the message, shoes there. I think we got the message. What's the matter? Had an accident in your bed? Don't worry. Go to the sheet department. <laughs> You'll find loads of sheets there. Sometimes there'll be some pillowcases as well. Need some bread? No, we can't help you. <laughs> Uh, it is difficult to know where to start with marketing and advertising. Strap lines and jingles. And I know they're intended to irritate. That's their job. I know that attacking jingles for being irritating is a pat on the back for the people who came up with them. I know all that. I'm not as stupid as Lloyd sounds, nor is Lloyd. <laughs> they're supposed to get under our skin and into our bloodstream and under our nails and in our hair to scroll uninvited and insidiously through our unconscious, unconscious minds. But for the record, I like Cocoa Pops. I just wish the phrase so chocolatey they turn the milk brown didn't turn up on my internal jukebox every eight minutes, that's all. I mean, what's the big deal anyway? I don't know about the rest of you, but I don't want food that changes colour halfway through. I want consistency in the colour of my food. I want to be able to say to my kids, eat your greens, not eat your greens, no, reds, hang on, eat your blues, eat your... Since when has brown milk been such a sought-after commodity? Hand-washing my rugby kit in it will make it go brown. Pour a little puddle of milk by the side of a busy road, it'll turn brown soon enough. But fetching it back in and sticking it on my cereal isn't going to enhance my breakfast experience. <laughs> Have you ever heard anyone bemoaning the fact that their milk wasn't brown enough? Milk isn't supposed to be brown. In fact, if you're milking a cow and you're finding the milk is brown... <laughs> you might want to move the bucket a few inches. 
I've seen, I've seen adverts for milk. They all seem to be pushing the fresh, milky whiteness of it. I've never even heard them mention off-white milk, let alone extol the virtues of the brown stuff you seem to think is all the rage. Milk ads show people with cute white milk moustaches do things your way. It's a very different advert. Out of interest, where do you get the idea we want brown milk? Do you think before Cocoa Pops came along we all spent our mornings desperately trying to get the milk dark enough for breakfast? Do you think we all got up at 5am, went down the coal cellar, brought up a scuttle of coal, tipped the milk in, rolled up our sleeves and went about the daily back-breaking regime of darkening the milk? Dreaming of a day when someone would find a way of making the milk darker without it coming out of our heating budget? Do you think we all find milk too bright? Is that it? Jesus, John, can you dim the milk a bit? I've got a hangover. I think before you came along, we were all eating cereal with sunglasses on, struggling to get our breakfast up under our welding mask, because we didn't. Even now, as a product benefit, it's not really that exciting. I get 500 emails a day telling me they can lengthen parts of my body, make me irresistible to women, and make me a millionaire overnight. Your promise of browner milk just seems a bit underwhelming in that context. <laughs> You need to aim a bit higher. I've been around the world. I've seen incredible things. A Sony Lumiere in Paris, a total eclipse in Timor. In Thailand, I've seen people playing table tennis without using their hands. Your milk and chocolate cereal extravaganza just comes a bit short in that company. It's a bit of a damp squib. And in my most cynical moments, I think the whole thing sounds like you're trying to make the best of a bad situation. Are you sure this was supposed to happen? <laughs> sure you aren't cleverly spinning a negative into a positive, yeah? It sounds to me suspiciously like you can't get your chocolate to stick on your pops for long enough. You're trying to fob us off with this whole brown milk thing. Am I somewhere near the truth, Kellogg's? It's a product fault, isn't it? Is this the serial equivalent of someone dancing in a wedding, falling off the stage, getting up and going, I meant to do that? <laughs> Deliberate or not, do you know what surprises me most about all this? Do you know what the biggest mystery to me is? What really blows my mind is that you've been banging on about how something white is going to turn brown for years and the Daily Mail have hardly batted an eyelid. <laughs> I'd have thought they'd have gone berserk. I'd have thought they'd have choked on their Rice Krispies. I'm already faintly surprised they haven't accused Tony the Tiger of being an illegal Bengali immigrant. <laughs> One last thing, Kellogg's. What's all this we-don't-make-cereals-for-anyone-else crap? Yes, you do. I went round to Greg's house the other day. He had a big box of all bran in the cupboard. <laughs> Listen, Kellogg's, nobody cares who you make cereals for. Nobody cares whether you can make milk go brown. For once I'm with Nike, just do it and shut the snap, crackle and pop up about it. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome here to play us out Goldheart Assembly and Engraver's Daughter! Ladies and gentlemen, give it up Goldheart Assembly and their new single, Engraver's Daughter. Give it up one more time! And ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much. Good night. Gilbert's bulging barrel of laugh stars, Rod Gilbert, Greg Davis, Lloyd Langford and Sarah Millican, with guests Milton Jones and Goldheart Assembly. It was written by Rod Gilbert, Lloyd Langford and Greg Davis. The producers were Leanne Coop and Julia McKenzie. <laughs> <laughs>